1: Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to.
0: Welcome into another episode of the Swamp 247 podcast. My name is Jacob Rudner alongside my co-host Graham Hall. Uh, And Graham, we join each other today to talk about the Florida Orange and Blue game, which took place On Thursday, April 13th at the Swamp, Uh, the Gators beat the Gators 10-7. to It was a defensive uh, masterclass, one might say. Although I would be lying if I said that the game didn't generate uh, some serious concerns, I think, uh, just from watching the action uh, and and knowing what we know, just going around with this Florida football program. uh, And the purpose of this podcast episode will be to break some of those things down. Uh, and discuss our thoughts not only from Florida's most recent game, uh, but also from the entirety of its spring practice session uh, and just kind of what it looks like going forward uh, here in Gainesville. And I think that it would be uh, inappropriate not to just rip the Band-Aid off to start and and you know talk about Florida's quarterback play. Uh, the Gators brought in a transfer from the University of Wisconsin, Graham Mertz, over the offseason. Uh, he spent four years with the Badgers, had varying levels of results, Uh, Billy Napier says at his first opportunity that Mertz was basically the program's handpicked quarterback. Uh, They evaluated two dozen and landed on Mertz in the transfer portal. Uh, Mertz yesterday uh, was okay. Uh, He he looked fine at times. I think he connected uh, on some deeper passes that, you know, maybe uh, were impressive, but at other times uh, struggled quite a bit, especially early on in the game when he took two sacks, Uh, in his opening drive against Florida's first-team defense. And then Jack Miller, who returns to the program as a sophomore after transferring to Florida last year from Ohio State, uh, nursed a thumb injury pretty much the entirety of the 2022 season and is now jockeying for rank uh, in Florida's quarterback room. So uh, two quarterbacks, not really a settled situation in terms of who we think will start uh, by the time the season rolls around on August 31st when Florida takes on Utah. Uh, But, Graham, I will go to you. What were your thoughts uh, about the quarterback play in last night's spring game and, and and just where does this program go from here?
1: Yeah, I think I'm a little bit more neutral than most people. I'm not someone who puts a ton of stock into the in-game results and even a lot of what we see from a play standpoint in games like this. Um, Graham Mertz came out and said it. It was his first spring game. I didn't know that going in that even though this guy has a ton of experience at Wisconsin, they didn't really do a spring game, just kind of had an open practice. So this was a new thing for him as well. And it, it to, what it looked like to me was that Florida was practicing a lot of things, some situational type stuff. And as I was saying, Mertz came out after the game and was asked how much of the playbook Florida showed. And he said very, very little, not a whole lot. And I think that from an offensive perspective, it was tough to really – gleam, I think, how good the offensive line can be knowing that they were missing a couple of starters in Kingsley Aguacan, um, and, uh, you know, potentially Micah Mazuka. I think that made it difficult. And then Florida really didn't, I think, look to pound the run too much, which is something we are going to see a whole lot this season where guys like Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne combined for 18-plus carries in a game. Florida knows what they have in those guys. They didn't necessarily need to go out there and try and win a game with either one of them, which is what we're going to see this year. So for me, it was tough for me to get a glimpse of what Florida's offense was going to look like. I think that most of what I was looking for was how the quarterbacks fared because I've said time and time again, we actually have a quarterback battle in Gainesville where – It's not Graham Mertz's job. It's not Jack Miller's job right now. Both of those guys are battling for the job, and that's totally different than the situation last year where Anthony Richardson took the majority of the first team snaps throughout the spring. He was set up to be the quarterback in that game and into the season while also protecting him. They didn't really last year show too much what he could do with his legs, and I think that that's kind of the case this year um, as well. They weren't Designed to allow the QBs a chance to even escape those "quote unquote" sacks, um, and I think that it that just makes it very tough to evaluate. But what we saw out of Graham Mertz and Jack Miller, I think that both of those guys still have some work to do if they want to be able to lead Florida's offense and for Florida to build on last season. I think they showed some promising stuff. Found guys like Andy Jean, Ricky Pearsall. I think that there was a lot of promising stuff, but still a lot to work on and that was probably the biggest takeaway from last night's spring game to me, Jacob.
0: Yeah, I, I, I find myself feeling a little more uh, discouraged, I would say, based on based on what we saw from Florida's quarterbacks last night and you combine that with some of the things that we know uh, just from you know previous spring scrimmages and practice sessions and, and you know you combine all of that. Uh, into your opinion. And I find myself feeling uh, underwhelmed, I would say, by Florida's quarterback situation. Uh, Part of my concern is that it's still a battle. Uh, You mentioned that uh, those guys are truly competing. I think that that is absolutely accurate. Billy Napier has told us uh, time and time again that it is nobody's job. Uh, He's not even ready to declare publicly that there's a leader within the competition, seems to view it as a neck and neck situation. Uh, Miller and Mertz split the first team reps first and second half. Uh, last night against, you know, each other. Uh, You know, I I wonder if that's a sign of struggle for a guy like Graham Mertz. Florida brings this guy in uh, as its preferred transfer. Billy Napier makes that very clear immediately. Uh, Again, one of 24 quarterbacks, roughly, uh, who he says he evaluated or the team evaluated uh, and landed on. And so, you know, you take them at their word and you wonder how come Graham Mertz has not yet done enough uh, to secure the starting job in a situation where, to me at least, it feels like he's had every opportunity to do so. Um, and then you look at the results last night, and there are some things that are, you know, red or yellow flags, if you will, uh, just from the results. Statistically speaking, he and Jack Miller, I would agree with you, were okay 15 of 25 passing, uh, roughly 230 yards in reps exclusively against the first team defense. They threw for only one touchdown and did not throw any interceptions. All of that is respectable. I think that that's fine. Uh, where the concern is for me is in things like, were the quarterbacks getting the ball out of their hand quick enough? Were they escaping collapsing pockets quick enough? Uh, I would say the answers to those things are no. And granted, uh, I do think part of that, maybe even a significant part of that has to do with, as you mentioned, you know, an offensive line that's banged up, uh, a defense that was you know, reasonably aggressive and played quite well. But if you review the tape from Florida's spring game, out of the eight or nine, and I say eight or nine because there seems to be a uh, statistical discrepancy uh, about the total amount of sacks last night, but uh, in the eight that I counted when I rewatched the game last night, uh, all of them came with only four-man pressures. And granted, uh, you can make a case that they were still blitz-type plays because the pressures did not come from uh, the front four—it came from two in the front or three in the front—and then a the linebacker and a defensive back simulated pressure. Um, but they didn't—they being the quarterback—did not do a good job consistently or really, you know, that much at all of avoiding or recognizing those things. And I think the concern for me lies in the fact that they should be able to know and anticipate and understand to a degree what's coming from a defense that they faced off against exclusively for the last month. They know exactly what they're going to get. They've seen the players. They've seen the scheme. We knew last night that they had a limited playbook on the defensive side, or at least that's what we were told by several Florida spokespeople. Um, And it makes you wonder, you know, exactly where Florida's quarterbacks are at in their off-season development. Was I encouraged by the results last night? No. Was I necessarily discouraged by the results last night? I'm not sure yet. I think we have a lot we need to learn and see. Uh, in terms of how they continue to progress, uh, how much more comfortable Graham Mertz can become between now and the start of the season within Florida's scheme, uh, and potentially Jack Miller as well, if you know he continues uh, to battle with the Wisconsin transfer. But again, I, I left the, the spring game with regard to the quarterbacks with more questions uh, than I feel like I have answers. Uh, more broadly, how, how would you evaluate the team's offensive performance last night? Progress? Uh, relative to last year, no progress. What, what did you, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I think it's again, really tough to evaluate um, from this. I think that the offensive line issues were um, that was a step back obviously. And and we knew that when they lost a, t- a ton of starters from last year's team, that there were going to be guys who needed to step up. They hit the transfer portal. Obviously I thought that Damian George did a f- very good job at right tackle. Nothing. I noticed that stood out. I I thought that, you know, they know what they have in Richie Leonard and Austin Barber as well. Those guys played um, a a little bit, but you know, the younger guys impressed me too. Najee Harris, Christian Williams, I thought had a good game. I thought Jordan Herman had a good game in there as well. Uh, Jake Slaughter has lived up to the billing. Rod Kearney. I think that was maybe an outlier for him. Some of those tough snaps. I thought otherwise, you know, that's what everyone's going to notice, but I thought otherwise he fared well. For what he was asked to do that stood out to me and Trayon webb i think that florida has once again landed a really really good running back from the high school ranks billy napier and especially jabbar jaluk have you know a great track record of going out and landing impressive running backs and i think Trayon webb from what we saw last night just his ability you know reading cuts seeing where to go his patience on um you know waiting for the run to develop that is it's advanced for a guy who should be i hate to use this line but should be you know a a senior in high school right now so that was something that stood out to me but otherwise the wide receiver unit not too much i know there's high expectations for andy gene he had a good reception but i don't think that otherwise uh, he did too much to change an opinion uh one way or the other it reaffirmed to me that ricky Pearsall is going to be the number one wide receiver in this offense. I think everyone realized that, and that the underclassmen tight end are going to factor in. But that's probably my biggest takeaway from Florida's offense is that it was tough to glean how good the offensive line is really going to be with those guys out. But the reserves right now, I think still, it's a little bit of a hit or miss right now in the reserve ranks. Um, But a lot of guys that I think that they feel confident about making up that two deep right now, Jacob.
0: Yeah, I mean, from an individual perspective, I to start with the positives, I, I do think Ricky Pearsall continues to show, uh, as you say, that, you know, he will be uh, this team's focal point through the air. Uh, he looked good for reception, 62 yards, and was what he was credited for, according to Florida's stats from last night. I uh, thought Xavier Henderson looked okay uh, in his routes. He, had, he actually ran, I believe it was in the first quarter, uh, a route that, should have gone for a significant gain, uh, if not even a touchdown. But but Graham Mertz couldn't connect uh, with him on the throw; was a little high and behind. Uh, so I think Henderson showed some improvement uh, in his route running ability. Was open a lot uh, and probably should have gotten more attention. I agree. Arliss Boardingham impressed me. Uh, I thought Boardingham uh, was somebody who really looked the part as a Y tight end, uh, sure-handed caught all three of his targets for 33 yards on the night uh, with a long of, I believe, 18. Uh, Solid. And we had heard good things about him throughout the spring. Uh, But I would, you know, broaden things out a little bit and say, again, offensively, I think that there were some areas that left a lot to be desired. Um, Caleb Douglas had a critical fumble in the red zone after a long reception. Uh, There has been a lot made about the the sureness of his hands. Uh, and I think that that was something that was kind of highlighted last night. He only caught two of seven targets, including the fumble, uh, and that obviously is a significant problem. Uh, offensive line wise, I just I, I I found myself a little surprised, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think that Florida's coaches in in Rob Sale and Darnell Stapleton uh, are at such a high level in their ability to understand and convey and teach and build uh, offensive linemen that I was taken aback a little bit uh, by the level of the performance from the unit. I think Barber, as you said, was impressive. I thought the center play across the board, Jake Slaughter uh, and Roderick Kearney, left a lot to be desired. Uh, uh, Several blown plays up the middle. The biggest thing for me with the offensive line play, however, was play recognition in terms of what they were seeing in front of them defensively. There were way too many pressures that were allowed to get through to the quarterbacks Via linebacker blitzes, and Florida was very successful. Or I say Florida, but the one of the Florida teams was very successful, uh, blitzing linebackers and dropping guys who were along the defensive front into coverage. Uh, as I said earlier, all four—oh, sorry, all eight or nine sacks came with four-man pressures last night, uh, which is truly impressive. But it's also, uh, you know, a marker of potential. I don't know about concern, but something to keep an eye on as we evaluate Florida's offensive line. Again, like I said with the quarterbacks. They've seen this. They know what Florida's defense looks like. They know what to expect. And I personally am hard-pressed to believe that Jay Bateman, who called defense for one team, and Austin Armstrong, who called defense for the other, all of a sudden broke out these simulated pressures that nobody had seen before. I I don't believe it to be true. It was executed too flawlessly to have been the first time. So I uh, am choosing not to believe that there was an element of surprise involved last night. And if that's the case, then Florida's offensive line needed to be significantly better than it was. Uh, and, and so I would say that offensively, like I do with the quarterbacks, I have a lot of questions. I, I, I wonder uh, how much a guy like Micah Mizuka, depending on his recovery and, and status after announcing he was going to transfer and retracting that statement uh, and also undergoing a shoulder surgery, how does he come back? Is he a factor uh, along this offensive front and how much of a difference can he make? Is Cameron Waits. Who's recovering from a torn Achilles, somebody who could potentially come back uh, and make an impact at some point during the season and give Florida a little more depth, uh, really interior or exterior. He, he has the capability of playing guard or tackle. Uh, I, I do think that Richie Leonard showed signs of taking some steps in the right direction. I do think Florida has somebody uh, in Leonard who it, it could uh, lean on at that right guard position. But again, I think that there were some mistakes as well last night uh, that made me wonder exactly where that's headed. So offensively speaking, uh, I, I just I, things feel unresolved to me is how I would describe uh, my opinion on the spring game. I think that there's a lot we still need to, to learn and see uh, and kind of let develop uh, before we really pass off full judgment. But again, lots of things to keep an eye on. Let's, uh, let's give some credit where it's due though, Graham. That defensive imp- uh, performance last night under the direction of Austin Armstrong and Jay Bateman, uh, was was very impressive. The simulated pressures were effective consistently. Uh, players seemed to kind of know exactly what they needed to be doing and when. Uh, and whether it was first team, second team, even walk-ons were having a really good night defensively. Uh, pass rush was successful. Linebacker play was good. Coverage was good for the most part outside of some pass interference penalties. Uh, just how impressed were you with Austin Armstrong's swamp debut, if you will, in front of Florida fans?
1: Yeah, I did think that that was more what I was expecting was the defense to be really good because that's one of those spring stereotypes is that the defense is a little bit ahead right now at this time. I think that the context for what it means for Florida coming off of last season and then transitioning to a guy in Austin Armstrong, not even two months ago, right. Is, is what makes it so impressive. Um, There are differences in the scheme from Patrick Tony to Austin Armstrong it's not the exact same defense by any means so for them to look that good after just two months underneath him through spring camp i thought was really impressive i think he put the ideal the personnel in the ideal positions where at times i think that you could say that maybe florida was trying to fit a square peg into a round hole where guys were playing out of position or were undersized or didn't have the right speed Uh, off the edge to be able to contribute at the way that the defensive scheme was calling for them to. And and that doesn't seem to be the case right now. Obviously same statement with the offense. It is spring camp. It is too early to take way too much away from anything. But right now I thought that the front seven, especially, especially for a linebacker unit that was missing to Mitchell, didn't play guys like Shamar James, Um, and Manny Nunnery, a a whole lot of snaps, really. And when they did play, those guys were standing out. So I think that Florida's front seven from a depth standpoint and from a, I think, ability to perform standpoint looked a lot more promising to me last night. Again, it's very, very early, but that was one of the highlights for me. They were sound in picking up where plays were developing, the communication looked like it was just comfortable and confident and maybe that can happen when you're in a spring game when nothing is on the line you're playing at home so again who knows how much you can take from it moving forward but it did look like florida was hitting all the right beats there in the front seven i do think the secondary was a little bit of a different story i wasn't as impressed necessarily with the secondary i did think that um there were some a lot of great plays I think that Jason Marshall didn't necessarily have his best game. We've heard better things about him than I think the way that he performed the other night. But otherwise, um, this is a unit, a, a secondary that should get better when they get guys like Jakeem Jackson more comfortable, Devin Moore um, gets back to full participation completely. Um, when that happens, I'm more confident in the unit. But right now, the the first level, the front seven of – Florida's defense that really stood out to me. So you got to give Austin Armstrong a whole lot of credit.
0: Absolutely, and you know, after my my 20 minute tirade of negativity, I, I uh, would I will concede that I was really impressed uh, by Florida's defense. I, I just the cleanliness of the execution uh, stood out to me. And again, I think you bring up a really good point. It's how much can you take away uh, from spring ball? It, it, it's so limited. We don't really get to see a whole bunch, especially here. Uh, as media members, you don't want to take away too much from a spring game in which it's limited playbooks both ways, and you know there, there's challenges that are associated with that. Uh, but that being said, if we're going to compare spring game to spring game, for example, and we look back a year and, and we examine uh, the results that Florida's first-team defense achieved under Patrick Tony uh, in in last year's spring game versus its results this year under the direction of Austin Armstrong in the spring game, obviously much more impressive this year. Last year, Florida's defense gave up 34 unanswered points, uh, got blown out of the water by Anthony Richardson, who granted is going to be a top 10, five pick uh, in the upcoming NFL draft. And that obviously counts for something, but I just think that the cleanliness of play, uh, the, like you mentioned, guys kind of knew exactly where they needed to be. It was well communicated. uh, It was well organized. It was effective. And I think at a minimum without being too conclusive in my thoughts, uh, you know, I would agree that you can't be Uh, I I'm impressed. And I, I think that uh, it gave me a lot to look forward to in understanding exactly how Austin Armstrong is going to operate a defense when he has all of his players at his disposal. How does Florida rotate between first and second team when those guys are not competing against each other, but with each other. Uh, And those are kind of the things that I will carry with me as we, as we move forward into the off season and hopefully learn more, uh, about Austin Armstrong and the way that he wants to operate things, but from a introduce yourself and make an impression standpoint, uh, very impressed and thought that Florida's defense did a very good job of doing that. Uh, how would you, how would you sum up the spring, Graham? What what what's the biggest takeaway from you? I we can go one each here. You, just your your big takeaway, your your hot take, whatever it is that you want to offer. Just now that you've had a whole spring ball uh, under your belt uh, and, and are able to kind of understand what we're looking at what would you be your biggest takeaway?
1: I think <clears throat> I was kind of hinting at this inconclusive. I, I, I hate to keep harping on this, but I think the entire package kind of boils down to th- this was really a spring of a team in progress. This was of the decade nearly that I've been covering this team. I've been in Gainesville for 30 years now of, you know, for as long as I can remember, there have been times where Florida hasn't had a spring game where they haven't had the numbers and often that's, you know, that makes sense because you don't want to when you're already on kind of the precipice at some positions, offensive line was one five, six years ago. You, you don't want to risk any further injury that could harm your season. And you couldn't bring in scholarship guys who could play right away back then. Right now you can. And so it, it makes more sense to benefit get the benefit of a a spring game to get everyone out there to compete and for guys who maybe are are trying to find out where their future is at, at a college program to see if they get an opportunity to compete and build some favoritism and, and maybe put a little bit more on film. That's kind of the reality of spring games right now. And with the NFL calendar, moving back, Florida having to replace three coaches right before, I don't think that they were able to fully, maximize what they would have liked to do whether it was building familiarity between coaches and personnel just the terminology with you know austin armstrong if if that hire had been made even a month earlier maybe it's even more of an impressive performance it's just hard is what i'm saying to draw any grand conclusions from spring, just with how many factors they faced. I mean, they're under the 85 man scholarship limit right now. The spring game ends last night and Billy Napier is talking about how they do plan technically on adding a quarterback to the roster in the summer. You and I are both planning on writing other positions where they are going to add to the room. So it is a kind of an incomplete picture right now. And that was kind of the grand takeaway for me is that I, I think that there's a lot of promise for what is here right now. But I think that there are some positions that they're going to look to shore up and they can make some improvements in the off season and see a little bit more progress where maybe this product looks even more polished in fall. And then we're able to get, I think, a better sense of how good or how tough this year is going to potentially be for the Gators. Right now, I think I'm a little bit more on the fence than I thought I would be By the end of spring, I was thinking maybe that we would have a starting quarterback that Florida's offensive line maybe wouldn't have experienced much drop off, but injuries happen. I didn't think we would have a little deja vu at tight end where you, you have multiple injuries hit the room again. And then once again, unproven players are being asked to step up into an offense that likes running a lot of, you know, 12 man personnel. The list kind of goes on and on. We still haven't seen an elite second corner step up Um, and, and Jason Marshall for as good as I think he is. I still have a few questions about him being a true elite lockdown corner at a place that likes to call itself DBU. So I still have some questions, maybe a few more than I thought that I would have when spring started. And that makes me think that it's just a little bit inconclusive for me right now. And I'm trying not to make any grand proclamations or condemn anything right now, because this game and can change quickly. The roster can change quickly and you can improve overnight sometimes because development is not, is not linear. So I think that absolutely, this is a case where we're going to need to look back and assess in a few months and say, yeah, spring indicated that this was coming or possibly, no, I didn't, I didn't see that at all coming in spring ball.
0: I, uh, I think that was very well said and I will agree with it. You know, mostly was my, Uh, my takeaway, but I would, I would add to it. uh, And this can be my, you know, spring wrap up thought. Um, This is an incomplete team. Uh, I I think that there are several positions on the field that are clearly incomplete to me. Uh, There are several areas that this team still needs to bolster uh, through the transfer portal in this April 15th, uh, through April 30th window of, of transfer, uh, you know, eligibility of uh, transfer time that players have the second window. Um, and there are, there are a number of spots on the field where I, th- I feel as though Florida needs to, to really pay attention. I think that safety, uh, is one of those spots you mentioned not necessarily the cleanest performance from the team's secondary last night, which I would agree with. Uh, then there were good moments to be clear. I think there were also some not so good moments. Um, they need more experience in that room. If, if an experienced safety enters the transfer portal over the course of the next 15 days, Florida should be all over that person. They, they need to bring in somebody, uh, who is ready to play a stat for you last year, Rashad Torrance and Trey Dean uh, who played more snaps than anybody on Florida's defense combined for nearly 1500 total snaps, all 10 of Florida's safeties, which includes the star position on scholarship on its roster right now, combined for just over a thousand. So 10 players on the team now played 500 combined fewer snaps over the course of the 2020 season than the two guys who Florida has to replace. It's an inexperienced room that needs to be remedied. Uh, Outside of Pearsall, maybe Xavier Henderson, maybe Andy Jean. I have a lot of questions about Florida's wide receiver room. I think that they could use uh, one more potent weapon, somebody who they feel can be inserted and play right away, somebody who can contend for a first-team spot at the wide receiver position, particularly on the outside. I think that that's necessary at this point. Um, I think they should add a tight end. I know that they returned seven guys. There are seven scholarship players in the position uh, on the team right now. You have a, a guy in Arlis Boardingham who's promising looking. You have a guy in Hayden Hansen who's, who's promising looking. But I just, again, like the safeties, I question uh, the readiness and the experience of the unit, especially considering its injuries. And it points me towards them needing help at that spot. I would add another offensive lineman uh, uncertain about the, the future of a guy like Micah Mazuka. Uh, there are players at the bottom part of that unit, in the depth chart of that unit, who I just don't expect to be factors and who I think could be candidates to enter the NCAA transfer portal, at which point Florida will need to replace that depth. Uh, and it could use another edge rusher. I, I, I do like what Florida has in guys like Justice Boone and Princely Uman Mielin. Uh, could that unit use more depth after an offseason in which they did not add anybody to the unit? I do think so. So my my biggest takeaway is that there's work to be done for Florida, both in terms of who it has in-house and getting those guys up to speed and ready for this season, but also in terms of being able to bring in more talent to further fill out this roster uh, and get it to a spot where it's ready to compete in a year where Florida will have to demonstrate some improvement uh, relative to its first season under the direction of head coach Billy Napier. Uh, Graham, I think that is going to do it for us on this episode of the Swamp 247 podcast, but uh, we have a whole bunch of content going up that I want to talk about real quick. Over at swamp247.com, uh, we are constantly pumping out new things, football, basketball, and baseball in full swing right now. The Gators have the number three ranked baseball team in the country. Uh, and while basketball coach Todd Golden is doing a great job in the, in the uh, I almost called it the fantasy portal because it's kind of what it is, but the NCAA transfer portal Uh, He's already brought in three transfers and is expected to bring in more and we have it all covered for you. So uh, go on over to swamp247.com. I believe we're still running a 50% off promo so you can subscribe for a year at 50% off. Gives you access to all of our VIP content as well as our VIP message board where we have the most active community in the Florida market. Hit subscribe over at swamp247.com. We would also appreciate it if you subscribe to us on YouTube. And we appreciate you listening to us on wherever you get your audio only podcast. Once again, for Graham Hall, my name is Jacob Rudner. We're going to see you on the next episode.